What is up, Brad fans? How you doing? Happy to be here. And yes, I did get COVID. Suffering through it a little bit right now, so if my voice sounds a little off in this episode, that's why. If you notice some coughing, that's why. Get your vaccines, people. Uh, it was pretty rough for me. Uh, it's no joke. I'm glad I had the vaccine and the booster. Uh, I can't imagine how much worse it would have been without it. So public service announcement done. Welcome to this episode where we are indulging in my love of Canadian politics. Of course, I'll be joined by Scott and Coleman. Uh, Steve, the, the other regular member of the politics panel, uh, couldn't be here today. And we are talking about, if you're outside of Canada, you might have actually heard of this story. The large protests of big rigs and others that have converged on the capital city, uh, Ottawa. Mainly in this episode, we talk about our uh, worry and, I guess, disdain for this movement. Um, a movement that may have actually had a point at some, at some level, uh, talking about uh, vaccine mandates and, you know, health restrictions, although we disagree. They may have been able to make a point. This this movement has become something that is not about that and in my mind uh, cannot be taken seriously. This is evidenced by a few things. First of all, the organizers are known to either associate with or be members of uh, far-right racist groups or to have espoused those views online. Uh, this has been documented by the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. You can go there uh, to see that reporting. Um, and they talk about things like overthrowing the government, assassinating Justin Trudeau, things like this. So there's that level of, you know, anger that is actually behind this. Um, there's also they're using, you know, violence and intimidation in the city of Ottawa. There's lots of reports of that, people being intimidated for wearing masks and stuff. And a lack of coherent actual arguments. You know, they say they're against um, lockdowns and public health restrictions, but that's not the purview of the federal government. That's a provincial <laughs> jurisdiction. So they're in the wrong place. Um, they want uh, the reversal of a, of a border vaccine mandate. So crossing the border, you need to be vaccinated. Uh, but this is a border with the U.S. The U.S. also has that uh, in place. So, you know, yes, the federal government could lobby the U.S., but Come on, what's going to happen here? They're calling for the resignation of the of the prime minister. Also, not going to happen. Just very unreasonable. And when you look at um, videos of these people talking, it's rife with conspiracy theories. Um, you know, big pharma conspiracy theories about vaccines, about health restrictions. Uh, so it's really the movement is really about anger, uh, and this is what we talk about in in the episode. You know, where is this anger coming from? Social media obviously plays a role, uh, but also what it means uh, for politics in Canada moving forward. This isn't a unique movement. Uh, we talk about some allusions to America uh, and other things going on in the world. And we discussed, you know, how, you, I guess you could say, well, we're worried that uh, some politicians seem to be egging this on and then embracing this movement. Um, we talk about the provincial government in Alberta that seems to be capitulating to a, a, a sister protest that's at the U.S. border uh, in Alberta, and the p politicians in the federal conservative party who ousted their leader for, among other reasons, not embracing this movement uh, fully, and how one of the one of the people who is stepping into that power vacuum seems ready to, to fully embrace this movement. So what does that mean for the future of politics in Canada? Frankly, I'm worried about it, um, but Listen to the episode, get our thoughts on it, and if you have any thoughts on it, please do reach out, let us know. Um, it's a big story, uh, it's not going away soon, um, and as much as I don't want to give attention to these people, because it is a minority, it is uh, a small minority of the overall population, um, we're going to have to figure out what to do with this, this bubbling anger uh, that exists in, in our society. So if you have any thoughts, please visit the website tobradforyou.wordpress.com. You can find many a way to reach out to us. I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to read your emails on the show. I would love to play voicemails from you on the show. How to do that, how to leave us those is all at the website tobradforyou.wordpress.com. We're also on social media at tobradforyou. All right, announcement's over. And without any further delay, please enjoy the show.
All right. Welcome, listeners, to... Well, you know, it's been a while since we've done one of these, since we've assembled the crew of everyday, normal, regular voting Canadians. We're down a man, but we still got uh, representing, you know, he's a transplant from the South, the, the, the hope, the last hope of the Great White North up in Edmonton. Coleman, how you doing? I'm good. I'm the uh, original convoy of Freedom Fighters to Edmonton. I did it in 2019. Everyone's late. <laughs> The, the the one solo Chevy Blazer heading up Highway 2. Was... Yeah, everyone, everyone thought I was crazy for driving all the way from Lethbridge to Edmonton, honking my horn and swearing out my window, but I was ahead of the curve. That's Coleman right. has been parked on the lawn of the legislature for the last two years, just waiting for everyone else to come. He's up to $3 million in parking tickets, but that's the it... price of freedom, folks. That's what you fight for. It turns out if you say it's a protest, you can live in your car on the legislature lawn. Mm-hmm. I'll plug my GoFundMe <laughs> later on. <laughs> yeah, wait for that in the show notes. And as you heard, we have, you know, down in South, U of C alumni, Scott Stoley, small hey Brad, business how's owner. It going? Small business owner, glad to be here. Just got out of my truck, driving around town, honking at uh, anyone who'll listen. And, uh, Taking a bit of time off to, uh, you know, get my thoughts on the pod and then, you know, get right back on the horn. That's right. And, you know, I always I always start this thing with, say, you know, I really wanted to emphasize how we're just normal guys. You know, I don't want our our respective, you know, degrees from prestigious universities such as the University of Lethbridge and the University of Calgary to you know, separate us from the people. And you see that with the topic that we're going to talk about today, the regular folks, you know, so we don't want to separate ourselves too much from this from this movement because we are just regular people. I've been thinking we need to maybe rebrand this the popular podcast of canada the ppc is that taken i think we could run with that right the the official podcast of the popular people of canada (laughs) the populist podcast of canada i don't know i'm workshopping a few ideas we're a grassroots podcast i'd say yeah you could piggyback off some branding there and get a uh, ready-made audience Mm -hmm. (laughs) i might not Braxy Mernier or something is uh, your new pod host name. Yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. They might not like our take, though, because, yes, we are going to talk about the Freedom Convoy. I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to call call it the Freedom Convoy. It seems like we're giving into their marketing there. But, yes, the the group of trucks, protesters that has driven across Canada and made it to Ottawa, the capital city. I'll just provide a little context for the listener. If you're outside of Canada, you may have actually seen this story because it is getting play on international media over here in Germany. I am seeing it. And basically what started as a protest, I guess, against a mandate, a vaccine mandate for truckers crossing the U.S.-America border um, has now spiraled into a larger protest of what seems just like anyone with grievance, anyone who's angry at COVID, at the government, at soup, I don't know, uh, is out there uh, and has made their way to Ottawa and has, depending on what, what reports you're seeing, you know, because this is one of the interesting things that we can talk about is how, like, what kind of coverage are you getting? Uh, there in Canada, what's here happening here in, the, in 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 internationally as to what's actually going on. If you go on social media, which we all know is a bastion of truth, uh, you can find two very, very different takes on this. You know, it's a peaceful protest with everyone just, you know, having like a sit in and a barbecue with a bunch of good old boys or it's a bunch of Nazis out there terrorizing Ottawa. Obviously, we'd have to talk to the people of Ottawa to see how they really felt, but Again, you can see the you can see the pictures of people and uh, who are none too happy about having uh, what a couple dozen big rigs and up to let's say between eight thousand ten thousand people showed up over the weekend um, to protest. So I don't know. That's probably more context than we need. And I'm going to let you guys jump in here. So I want to I want to get just yeah your thoughts on what you saw, what your take on it is. Uh, and yeah, we'll go from there. So to decide who's going to lead us off, I have a question for you. Whoever answers correctly gets to start. Gentlemen, which cut is the deepest? 
The first cut? That's correct. Coleman. <laughs> what is that Come from? Come on, Brian. Brian Adams. Brian Come Adams. on. Can this I, is Brian can Adams. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think we're, I know that. We're, we're going all Canada here. First cut is the deepest, all right? That's okay. Solid. I'm happy I wore my jean jacket, jean shirt, jeans, <laughs> white <laughs> denim socks. <laughs> All right, Coleman. What are your What are your thoughts? What do you take? What have you seen? What do you think of how it's been covered? How it's getting How it's getting uh, portrayed? I think it's being covered as they're they're being awfully generous to the the people that make up this convoy by not just portraying it as it is, which is just a small gathering of Canada's loudest and dumbest motor vehicle <laughs> drivers. Um, I I don't know. This thing it's just like a Facebook comment thread taken to the streets essentially like there's it's hard to cover something because they don't know what this protest is about like you say they're angry against everything you'd have a better chance of getting a straight answer out of a monkey at the zoo when you ask him why he throws his own shit than to like get a consensus (laughs) from these people as to why the fuck they've driven to ottawa (laughs) like any and I think the as far as the Canadian media they, Well it did it did start with the vaccine. Even that. It was like it started with being angry that Canada wasn't allowing unvaccinated truck drivers to leave the country to go into America. But America wouldn't let them enter the country anyway. So it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter. None of it mattered. And it's just like them just raging yeah, it against was actually, it well, was the, what they're protesting on our side is their complaint is that uh, unvaccinated truckers have to quarantine when they come back across the border so the Canadian right. truckers can get into the states. I don't know, obviously they've got their own rules. You have to be vaccinated and that's not anything Justin Trudeau has to do with, but they're complaining that they've instituted a rule that unvaccinated truckers would have to quarantine upon return in the same way that unvaccinated anyone else would have to uh, quarantine on return. And I think they've maybe got a point, like, is this truly a sensible policy? How much safer is it actually making us relative to the amount of hassle this is generating for society? Uh, so maybe, you know, they're on to something that this is is this a bit too heavy-handed or is it actually in you know the omicron era how many covid cases hospitalizations deaths is this policy going to prevent you could probably make a case that it's not much on the flip side i think it's as we kind of alluded it's not really about the trucker mandate it's about bored rich people looking for meaning in their lives that need something to do (laughs) and you know you read on facebook and you get all all hot and bothered about all these rules that you know the man's imposing on you you gotta wash your hands after your pee and all that nonsense (laughs) and uh you know they don't like it so i think you look at one of the takeaways i have a lot of the coverage is like this is a working class uprising and I no, no, it isn't because the working class is at work right now. They don't have time <laughs> or the money to draw, take two weeks off and drive across the country in their $95,000 truck to then park it in an intersection across from the parliament building. Uh, like, no, they got their vaccines and went back to work. That's, you know, 90% of, uh, 90% of Canadian truckers are already vaccinated. And I think they're out driving stuff around because they don't have time for this nonsense, I think is the impression I've gotten from any sort of professional trucking company or organization or that sort of thing. Um, and I think that it is, is true. largely that is... protest of... Well, I was Sorry, just going to say, it's worth, it's worth noting that, uh, yeah, the largest uh, professional association of truckers, the Canadian Truckers Association or Alliance, uh, did at the very beginning of this come out with a statement being like, we're fine with the rules that are put in. 80 to 90% of our, our members are vaccinated. This is not a problem. We are not associated with this. Yeah, that's a, it's probably just a left-wing false flag operation, though, Brad. Yeah, right. Like, it's, I think, it's, they, they've constructed this reality where, like, anything that opposes them is not real, you know? It's someone being paid to do this. This is the thing for me that, like, starts to... And I think this is what you were getting at, Coleman, with your opening too is that it's like what can you get a cohesive statement out of these people and scott you laid out how like how it started and the original sort of grievance which is already flawed because like you said the americans have vaccine rules to get into 
you know, their country. And everybody coming into the country has vaccine rules. This isn't targeting them. Um, but that's kind of, you know, where it starts to, you, you, you could say, okay, they have, they might have a point there. Uh, I think there's even an argument to be made about, you know, lockdowns. That's the other thing you said, like, we're anti-lockdown, we're anti, you know, all of these restrictions. And it's like, okay, you might be able to make a case for that, right? But it starts to fall apart and you can't take these people credi credibly because one, you have the, and we'll get into this, I'm sure, the, ex the presence of white supremacist far-right groups that, you know, this is their bread and butter. These are the... Whether, whether all the people there are, are believe in that, you know, ideology or not is kind of irrelevant because some of them do and they're there. So it's like as soon as there's one Nazi, you're at a Nazi rally, you know, like it, it only takes one to, to taint the water. Um, and they seem to be pretty cozy. There's a lot of connections that have been uh, reported on by the Canadian Anti-Hate Network of the people that are sort of driving this thing, organizing it and that kind of thing. Their past statements about Muslim people or, you know, anti-government, kill Trudeau, all of that gross rhetoric. But then there's also, you know, the the flawed logic of their their actual demands, you know. So fine, lockdowns. You could make a sensible argument against that. But take that to your provincial government, who's actually in charge of that. The, the federal government has nothing to do with that. And then you start to see all of the other craziness. And it's like you said, Coleman, it's a Facebook thread come to life. It's just one thing after another of big pharma this, anti-vaccine that, they're forcing me to do this, they're forcing me to do that. And if you look at like the level of actual public health restrictions that a lot of these people face, very little. Very little. You know, yes, there is, you know, a vaccine passport system across most of Canada. But, you know, so you're basically complaining about your right to go to a, a restaurant. Nothing else is really impacted. Some jobs, some federally, you know, um, in the federal, you know, under the federal government's purview, some of those jobs have been mandated. But I don't know. It's just it's hard to take it seriously. And like you said, Scott, they might have had a case. They might, there might be some points in there that you could say, we should look at this policy, that policy, but it's gone wild. So I guess, I don't know, in my large point here, this is a symptom of a bigger problem of like, it's not their freedom from restrictions. They have a, they've gotten freedom from reality. This, this massive disconnect as to, as to what's going on, you know, what's actually happening. And they're just angry. So is that anger real? Is it whipped up from Facebook? Like, where, where, what's going on is my question. I don't know if any of you have an answer, but... I think the anger is definitely real. The No question, the anger is real. Whether or not their actual grievances that in their mind are the source of their anger are real, you know, it's a different story. I wonder, like, here in Alberta, as much as you hear people calling, like, end the lockdown, I'm like, what do you mean by a lockdown? Like, I went out to dinner the other night. Everything's open. You can kind of go life you know you take 30 seconds yeah you have to show your vaccine passport when you get to the restaurant but other than that life's pretty much normal so i don't know you know what exactly outside of the vaccine passport system what would qualify as ending the lockdown right like i think there's maybe still some rules about household gatherings that clearly these folks aren't following anyway so yeah it's not as if that's affecting their life call calling it a lockdown is a bit of a stretch and you're right i mean it seems if their goal is to end all mandates, lockdowns, whatever, then they're in the wrong place. This should be at their provincial legislatures, the people actually putting those rules in place. And even if your goal is to get rid of the trucker mandate, I feel like now the government has to dig in on that. They have no choice, but they have to, you know, they can't say a bunch of people showed up and held a gun to our head. So, OK, we're going to give in to your demands like they're not the Alberta government. These are serious people. So, uh, <laughs> they, you know, they need to they can't just immediately give in. What kind of message does that send to say if you don't like your small minority of the population doesn't like government policy, just, you know, park your trucks and honk for a long time and the government will do whatever you want. So now I feel like if you're the Trudeau government, you can't relax that that trucker mandate you know, right away, maybe you give it a couple of weeks and then quietly do it. But you can't make it seem like you're, you know, giving in to the terrorists here. I'm not saying they're all terrorists. It's, it's, it's a metaphor. It's a phrase. Don't at me. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm saying they're but, all terrorists. Well, like, they're terrible. <laughs> like we said, there is... Um, well, and this is the other thing, too. So let's... let's I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Trying to find... Like, this is a much larger question than just this this convoy. But I think that it speaks to... You know, this convoy thing is maybe a culmination of some of these... A lot of these different factors that are converging to, to lead to this sort of angry movement um against i don't know like just against stuff just against the government you know and you've seen it in the states you know it's a similar feeling donald trump was able to tap into it we'll talk about what's going on in the conservative party of canada and if someone's going to be able to tap into it hopefully not but it's weird it's it's weird and i think that this is going to get worse before it gets better um because there are these people, they are loud, and they are a small minority, but they're angry and they're loud. Um, so I guess, I don't know if we can, if it makes sense to dig into the reasons why or, or, or not. But uh, Coleman, what do you think of the, of the, like what Scott said about the response? Like, what do you do now? Like Trudeau was, seems like he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Because people are being like, why didn't you meet with these people? Why didn't you, you know, he was in hiding. Hiding being he was in isolation because his kids have COVID, so he was following the public health rules. But what's your take? Well, and maybe you could bring into the Alberta government because, like Scott alluded to, the Alberta government does seem to have caved to the to the blockade that was happening on the border with the U.S., which was related to this this whole well, movement. We can talk about that later. I think a certain premier saw how quickly they got rid of uh, one prominent conservative after he didn't throw <laughs> his support 100% behind these guys and thought that maybe it was a good idea that he did that. But we can talk yeah. about that later. Um, yeah, like you say, it's th- these people, I'm going to say they get radicalized, but they spend a lot of their time on social media now, Facebook and Twitter specifically. And the algorithms on those sites seem to be good at promoting content that makes you angry and fearful and these are just people that are angry that they're being asked to change or give up a little bit for the betterment of society as a whole and they're lashing out at it and it could have been anything like covid couldn't have happened and they could have made this about any number of things these little slights um, well, like in twenty nine, was it 2019, 2018, There was a similar thing, of albeit a lot smaller, the United We Roll yeah. convoy, and it yeah. was about what, like, just Western grievance or like carbon tax or something. So, yeah, it's always something. It's always something. They're angry all the time, and there's plenty of sources. There's Rebel News. There's various groups on Facebook, Fox News in the states that just like, it's a business for them to keep these people engaged and angry so Mm -hmm. and as far as the actual response of these convoys like they figured out in toronto they just put uh dot checkpoints outside of toronto and like you stop the trucks and you can get them off the road that way you can prepare for this now like they just didn't really prepare for it well in ottawa now we've got these yahoos just sitting there but now you got to remove them rather than stopping them from getting there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's just we live in a time where it's never been easier for a small, angry group to make themselves seem more important than they actually are. If that if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it's like so it sounds to me like you're saying it's like it's social media is a big problem. It absolutely is. I mean, if any like where do these things get organized? These people spent all their time on Twitter tweeting at Justin Trudeau that they want to kill him and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> they just live online. Like a lot of people do that now, and it's like people on the left do that too. It's like you, you get into your feedback loops on social media, agreeing with each other. Like this podcast is three to four white men agreeing with uh, their opinions on everything. We don't exactly <laughs> challenge each other or anything like that. And it's like that's not a probably not a great thing. We should be challenged, but at least we're not storming the capital and stuff like that. But I think, I don't know, it's just the way social media is like structured these days. I don't know how you prevent idiots from being taken advantage of. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Well, then I was wondering, too, like how much like it, social media, yes, accelerates this stuff. But you mentioned Fox News and Rebel News and these other th- places. That it's like a business of, of keeping people angry. And I mean, I would say the anti-vax movement 
as well. So, you know, is it's just grifting. It's making money on this. Um, but this does kind of seem to have sort of an American flavor to it. Like we haven't seen this kind of, you know, rhetoric or I guess anger in Canada, but I don't think you can blame it all on America because there is a move, this, this populist sort of right movement is happening all over the Western democracies. The UK it happens in Germany, France, you know, we're seeing it over the last whatever, five, six years, but this right here seems like a culmination uh, or like the biggest we've seen yet in in Canada. Um, and I wonder, you know, yeah, maybe Scott, you can jump in just how much you see it as, I don't know, does it, it just seems like it's, 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 you know, people <laughs> wanting to be American in a way, you know, like they wanted, they're like, they see the anger on Fox News, they see the shit, uh, you know, they're watching Fox News, you can get it in can in Canada. And just being like, yeah, I'm angry about that too. Even though it's not their country, it's a totally different system. It's a totally different thing, but they're just, they're just grabbing onto this shit. Yeah. You do wonder how many of these people, you ask them what they're mad about and they're like, well, I'm pretty mad about CRT and schools in Virginia and, you know, yeah. crime in San Francisco and all this stuff that you're right does not affect their lives in any way, but it's what, you know, Fox news is ginning up anger about and, uh, Sure, it's just people people you don't like doing stuff you don't like, so get angry about it. There is definitely an American vibe to it. Like, I think you look at a lot of the crowd in Ottawa right now versus, say, like the crowd at the Capitol on January 6th. It's a very similar feel there. You know, they're on the one hand, they have their one thing that they're ostensibly angry about, that they're there for, the election got stolen, truckers have to get vaccines, whatever it is. But I think a lot of it is just just generally angry about everything. About it's just a it's just a big kind of grievance fest. And certainly American politics, particularly on the right, has you know grievance is really the guiding principle or the uniting thing that brings everyone together and that really does seem to be uh seeping into canada that you know is this really about trucker vaccine mandates or are you just angry in general about all sorts of things and this is kind of the one thing that's really that you, you being angry is what has brought you all together which does really seem to be um American style politics really kind of getting a greater a greater place here in Canada, which is I would argue really unfortunate because um, it's hard to really build a positive movement around being angry as our kind of uniting guiding principle. Um, like, what do you what are we going to do with that? Especially when a lot of the stuff you're angry about is kind of overblown or made up or not really real or doesn't actually affect you. You know, there's there's a whole industry in the States about drag queen story hours, you know, people in uh, like rural Texas losing their minds about some library in San Francisco having drag queens read books. And it's like, well, then just don't go. Who cares? It doesn't affect you. Let other people. It's amazing how much this freedom <laughs> movement that's all about freedom is also all about other people not having the freedom to live their lives the way they want to because, you know, it turns out by freedom I mean participating in life the way that I approve and also just calling it a freedom convoy when you're blocking the entire city of Ottawa from doing anything. You know, it's a weird definition of freedom to say we're pro-freedom, which is why other people can't get to work or get to sleep or do anything else, you know. Or losing their, their jobs. There's the mall that's uh, right outside the parliament that's been closed for several days. So all those people are losing a paycheck there. Um, yeah. yeah. The, 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 and again, this is why it's so hard to take take it seriously. Like for the rest of Canada, you know, or or whatever. You, you see this and they, they seem to be cared only, they like you said, only about their own freedom. And it's like this this, this absolute freedom you know, this, this word has just been like tainted now because it's like, they're just like, well, we need freedom. We need freedom. It's a nebulous thing. They're just throwing it out there. There's no real definition. And there's never really been a time 
where everyone in society is free to do whatever the fuck they want. You know, that doesn't exist. That's not how society works. Everybody has maximum freedom when we all sort of give a little bit to live together in a safe way, you know? It's like, that's how society has worked since humans have made societies. That's how monkey society works. That's how ant society works. Like, it's it's just, we're social creatures. You have to live with other people. You know, you want complete freedom. We'll put you on an island. You can do whatever the hell you want. I don't think you'll like it very much, you know? We so, can't yeah, have it's freedom just, to drive where you want and freedom to park wherever you want at the same time. So you're going to have to make some choices about yeah. whose freedom, you know, and previously we've restricted people's freedom to park in the middle of busy intersections and uh, nobody seemed to think that was tyranny and uh, somehow now yeah anything short of I can do whatever I want whenever I want wherever I want anything short of that is an infringement on my freedom is just insane that I, I don't think you've really thought through how that would work for a society but but I don't know there's been a ton of thinking through through a lot of this uh, I think you could um you can take when they say they want more freedom and just replace freedom with attention and their arguments start to make a lot more sense. Like mm. a lot of people have been living out this persecution fantasy for a while. And then in COVID, the whole thing is like, like they've been talking about COVID concentration camps and people being drug out and vaccinated in the streets and stuff like that. And that just hasn't happened. So like they're just looking for something as close as they can so they can pretend that this government they hate so much is coming after them when all they really want is for someone to pay attention to them. Like they're mm -hmm. hooked on like putting a status on Facebook about fuck Trudeau and getting like 18 likes from their like-minded friends. And they just want that in real life. So yeah. this is them going out and achieving that, I guess that's kind of what I think. I don't think it's yeah. like this massive fight for freedom because they don't really know what that means. They just want attention because they know what that means. It's a, they want the dopamine reaction of, like someone saying that they're they shouldn't be there or something like that or a hero yeah. like they're out fighting for our for our freedom it's like no you just want attention for yourself that's all you want and there's nothing wrong with that people want attention that's why people podcast because they want attention that's why we're here yeah but it's like you got to do that constructively some of yeah. us photoshop pictures of brooms other one <laughs> like we piss on war memorials when <laughs> involved in convoys it just it yeah. depends how you like that that want for attention manifests itself. Yeah, I, I see you hitting the, the social media angle hard, uh, Coleman. And uh, I'll just say I love seeing you get into some of these arguments with <laughs> some of the <laughs> some of the people in your life on social media. <laughs> Quite entertaining. I just oh, want to plug my, that. My 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 Facebook feed is very tilted towards pro convoy from being in. Uh, Southern Alberta had one particularly stupid guy say that I shouldn't paint people with swastika flags with a broad brush because you don't know why they're there. Maybe they're right. actually, you know, it's they only yeah, hate well. the disabled, not uh, they don't buy the whole program. They're fine with, you know, the Jews and gays and whatnot. It's just the disabled that they really yeah. think ought to be. Yeah, sent off that. on a nice flow. Yeah. 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 It's so bizarre. And I guess sitting here and trying to yeah understand the motivation or something i mean i guess it's important i guess this would be my next thought is you know what do we as a larger people do because i mean the 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 instinct is to ridicule right is to mock you know which is what we're doing um but that's not gonna that's only gonna make it worse maybe not make it worse but like we have to find a way to live with these people right like this isn't going away and I'm worried, like I said, that this is going to get worse before it gets better because, yes, like we've said, and let's move to this now, um, the government in Alberta seems to have directly capitulated to, to a, tr a convoy of, of trucks that blocked the border with the, with the, um, with, with the U.S. Um, after having, you know, egged these people on on social media you know, we had the premier of Alberta you know, tweeting, you know, random pictures of empty grocery store shelves saying, look at this vaccine mandate has cost us, you know, supplies and empty shelves. When challenged as to where he got those pictures, no response. Uh, some, some other federal conservative MPs were doing the same thing. Empty shelves. Look at this mandate is causing, you know, all of our supply chain problems. And yes, there is a supply chain problem. This isn't 
you know, based on the truckers associations and the data that's out there, this is not the, the cause of this problem. And there was even people that did reverse Google image searches on some of these empty shelf pictures that these politicians were sharing. And they're just stock photos of grocery stores. Or you see empty prices listed stores. in pounds. So it's clearly it's actually from the UK or there was exactly. one where it's, that Kenny had shared where it was an empty section that said 100% Canadian beef. And immediately the response was, how do you think this trucker mandate is preventing Canadian beef from getting to a Canadian grocery store shelf? This obviously has nothing to do with any of it. So this is my this is my my concern is what's going to happen now, because we had politicians that cynically, you know, I would say, you know, egg these people on because this is their base uh, or this is, you know, who they think their base is or who they want is their base, whatever it is. And now, you know, like I said, the government in Alberta has basically said, okay, don't worry, guys, we're going to get rid of all these restrictions right away. The date that, that they had planned to get rid of the restrictions was like further in the future, probably in March or something. And they, they we were always saying when the data says that it's okay, which we know the track record of the Alberta government's not great on that. On that. But then they just like a couple of days ago just said, oh, no, it's going to happen soon. Don't worry, it's going to happen soon. So they're trying to diffuse the situation at the border, which is costing the province tons of money um, when they started it. And, you know, we'll look at the, the federal side of it too, but I'm just, ah, what do you see from the conservative movement in Canada you know, glomming onto this. And then I guess the last bit of context is the federal conservative leader, Aaron O'Toole, was voted out as leader um, in part, we can assume, because he didn't embrace this movement enough. He wasn't, he wasn't on board with it enough. And one of the guys who has stepped in to, you know, replace him or wants to replace him, Pierre Polyev, is arguably the guy that is going to do that is going to court these people is going to be right out there now he didn't go out there he was smart enough not to get pictured <laughs> with a nazi flag in the background unlike some of his colleagues but yeah i just uh, it, it it doesn't look good to me uh in terms of you know for the rest of us moderate sort of progressive canadians um speaking federally i think the the conservatives in going into like the future they're going to own this movement but you get to own everything with it like you get to own the the voters that are going to support you with it but then you get to own the pictures of your mps with nazi flags in the background mm -hmm. and you you get to own the blowback when this group turns on you when you say something like maybe conversion therapy isn't the way to go or something like yeah. that like you, you get to own that that blowback and if I was any other party about the conservatives, I'd be thrilled about that. I don't have to own any of it. You guys get to own, like, all the pictures of everything going wrong. Um, provincially, I mean, the Kenny government's all over the place with this thing. At one point, they passed legislation specifically banning protest blocking critical infrastructure. And it just seems like by the color of your skin, that doesn't really matter. That's only for yeah. That law was never meant to apply to white people. I think that was that. pretty clear from the get-go. Yeah, that I would say is one yeah. angle I kind of just wanted to touch on before touching on the provincial thing. Is just the lack of consistency across the board from so many different outlets on both sides of the aisle compared to in 2020. Um, we had I think it was about exactly two years ago. Now we had the indigenous blockades of various um, railways you know, in support of the Wet'suwet'en nation. And, uh, you know, it fell into pretty typical ideological lines. You'd have folks on the left saying, well, you know, man, it's kind of bad to block the trains, but we got to, you know, we got to appreciate where these people are coming from. We got a dialogue, yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, the right is like, nope, plow them out of there, you know, just run them all over if you need to, but these blockades got to go. Um, and now it's just the situation has largely flipped that uh you know the right-wing media right-wing american media super against mayhem in portland but super pro mayhem in ottawa just depending on who's doing the mayhem and getting you know getting getting sort of the attention for it um and i think my thought at the time of the indigenous blockades was no you can't do it sorry we're like we just as a country you can't have people shutting down the railways that can't be your way of expressing your opinion I'm the same with the blockade. No, you can't shut down major roadways. 
you know, it doesn't matter which whether I agree with your group's aims or not. And I think there's been a real lack of that, of people that have consistently said, no matter who's doing it, you know, this is wrong. It feels like kind of consistent principle applied to everyone seems to be uh, fading as a uh, as something that people try and strive for in our political discourse. And um, yeah, provincial response to the, the blockade in Coots has been a bit crazy. And Jason Kenney has basically said explicitly, like, you know, we understand your concerns and, you know, we support you. We are with you. I think they're protesting your government's policy. What do you mean we're with you? You're the guy. <laughs> it's your government that they're protesting. You're obviously not with them or they wouldn't be there. Um, and again, it, it certainly sets a bad precedent, I think, for them to have, you know, the, the talk was restrictions will go at the end of March and then it was the end of February. And now it's like maybe two days from now. Um, that it seems to be pretty obviously them caving. And you wonder... If it was an indigenous blockade of the border saying, you know, we're not going to we're not leaving until this coal mine gets shut down or whatever it is. It's hard to imagine they would get a similar sort of response. And I don't know what's worse. Is it to say Mm -hmm. to have the message here be if you just blockade the border, you can get the government to do whatever you want or only you know if angry right-wing white people block the border they get whatever they want but only them everyone else you know is going to get the heavy hand of the rcmp to haul them out of there in chains um which i think to some extent is probably what should happen it just should happen to anyone who blocks the border like you park in the middle of the road we haul you out of there in handcuffs sorry doesn't matter what you're protesting what you're complaining about you can't park on the highway uh and that's the rule for everyone whatever you're complaining about but it doesn't seem, you know, there's so much, it's not, not it's just this, it applies to all sorts of things, but, you know, it's okay when our people do it, but when they do it, it's, you know, obviously it's terrible and needs to get shut down. Yeah, that, uh, that's a, yeah, that's another trend in, yeah, I guess just politics in general that's, that's really disconcerting when it's like, it's okay when our side does it, but it's not okay when the other side does it. You know, it's like this further deepening of, of divides and stuff. It would be great if there was an application of, you know, the law across the board. Um, but I think there's also been like a, we're kind of moving away from the politic thing, the, the specifics of the conservative party here, but you see it in the way that it's covered too, right? Like there's people who will liken this to, oh, well, uh, everyone's upset that they did this to the Terry Fox statue or the the unknown soldier. So two memorials uh, to, to veterans and one to a, a guy who raises a lot of money for cancer, you know, a hero in Canadian society. Um, they're like, well, okay, they, they put some flags on there and someone peed on it, blah, blah, blah. But, but they're not tearing down statues like the Black Lives Matter protest or the indigenous protests, you know what's the you know trying to draw false equivalencies and stuff here <coughs> it's omicron talking there yeah my COVID's getting to me they got he was talking out against the the protesters and they've they've got him they got me yeah well COVID's not real um but i just yeah i don't know i think it's important to state that i think it's like you can you can apply like you said scott the same rules for everybody while still understanding that the causes that these people are fighting for or trying to raise awareness for are not equal. You know, indigenous people saying they don't want something on their land or anti-racist protests or even a protest that I disagree with, uh, you know, like an abortion, anti-abortion protest. I can respect their right to protest much more than I can, like we said, this nebulous movement that doesn't really seem to stand for anything that's just angry and is filled with conspiracy theories and stuff like that. But the amount of, you know, coverage that I've seen from, again, politicians tweeting out about this, conservative politicians, and then just sort of, you know, sympathetic news networks that want to sort of explain away the white supremacist people in there or explain away the bad stuff and try and make these false equivalencies with Black Lives Matter or indigenous protests or whatever is just another gross element of this whole thing, I guess, and of the, you know, discourse that we have in politics. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I guess we can get back to the the Conservative Party or if you guys want, have any thoughts on that. It seems to me like the Conservative Party, essentially they have two paths 
that they kind of have to pick from because they've been trying to navigate this sort of squishy middle and it's not working. So it seems either you're going to have to go my preferred route hard to the center, essentially disavow the conspiracy theorists, you know, disavow the climate change isn't real people and the maybe conversion therapy is actually good people and kind of tack to the center and build a broader coalition because in my mind it's there for the taking like i i mean this is in my like left-wing liberal you know bubble i don't know anyone who loves justin trudeau i think everyone grudgingly accepts mm -hmm. trudeau and his government as the least worst option that we have right now um mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people would be open to voting for a sensible conservative party that you know doesn't say climate change is fake that says climate change is real and their plan isn't as good as ours and here's our better plan and uh you know you can believe in you know that conversion therapy works or gay marriage is sinful all you want but you just can't talk about it when you're wearing our hat because that's just not what we're going to focus on we're going to focus on the economy like the stuff where that people actually agree with the conservative party on and I think Stephen Harper was very good at the beginning at marginalizing the crazies. That's absolutely the path that he took is to say, listen, you know, various of your kind of niche grievances are not popular. So shut up about them. We're going to talk about how we're going to cut taxes and then we might actually win. Or they can go the other way because obviously they've been bleeding some support to the right, to the People's Party of Canada or the popular podcast Canadian Front or whatever it is. But uh, that that far right group that uh, they're afraid they're, you know, they're obviously losing support to them. And I think what they probably what they should do is just say, we're going to have to let them go, because if your whole political shtick is about conspiracy theory and craziness, then like, sorry, we just we know you're going to lose too many sensible people trying to cater to the crazies. But I do think. Ultimately, Aaron O'Toole is out because he couldn't. I don't think he was a strong enough of a leader to really chart a course and say, this is what we're doing. And so kind of flip-flop back and forth. And there's a lot of elements in the caucus that I think are very much pro-crazy kooks. And uh, they ultimately proved to have more sway because his attempt to kind of tack to the middle um, ultimately cost him his job, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, but it does seem that, and this was a point I was watching, uh, Power and Politics, shout out CBC, uh, and Andrew Sullivan on, uh, on, on the panel, the Power and Politics panel, um, pointed out that this sends a message that the caucus now has more power than the leader, whereas under Harper, like you said, they he was he controlled caucus and he had them you know, all pulling on the rope in the same direction. And that's no longer the case. Um, and it's interesting then to say, okay, well, look at the vote. It was like 75 to 43 or something like this in favor of getting rid of him. If you just broadly say these 75 represent this further right wing, then that is the party, you know, or do we think that there's still internal divisions in the party where the moderate conservatives you know are 50 50 i don't know i i i don't know how to read that i would have to go into the you know the, the the internal party meetings and be at the conventions and stuff like that to get the sense of that but yeah and seeing you know the guy like pierre polyev or even who they chose as the as the interim uh leader what's her name candace again bergen. candace bergen candace there's yeah. good people on both sides bergen. in one picture that she really did apparently say there's good people on both sides, which just as it's just political malpractice as a turn of phrase. Like you could just just use any other words to try and get your I think stupid point across. Yeah. But don't say good people on both sides. The waters have really been tainted for that particular phrase. That that was a that was a leak. That was a leak from a cabinet meeting that happened like on her first day. So that Ugh. shows everything that you have to know about the, where the conservative party's at right now is like they they are leaking stuff to the press on the first day. You of have this to think that's one of the forty five that voted no, who is immediately leaking all this embarrassing stuff about the new interim leader. 
Yeah. Yeah, but so then I guess that's what I wonder though is like, and you know, Pierre Polyev, we've mentioned a few times, who is a man who has a strained relationship with the truth. I will say, uh, he seems to want to grab this movement and use it for his own political gain. And I don't think he really cares um, about other people, <laughs> about the Canadian people. Uh, and he, I don't think he cares whether, you know, these, whether what these people are angry about is true or not. He seems ready to, to take up that mantle. So I just, you, you, you charted out these two courses for the party, Scott, but I see it as going the more extreme route. And maybe extremes, people will be like, oh, that's too extreme of a word. These pe The party's not extreme. It's like, they had a hard time banning conversion therapy. They voted against uh, making a motion in their platform that climate change is, is real. Um, I see more and more that there's less of a, you know, people talk about this infighting in the party, that there's this moderate wing and this right wing. I see it falling to the to this to this populist right side and i just i don't know I, I don't know if they're going to pull out of it and i am concerned because of exactly what you said you know people the instant reaction is like well this is going to be great for the liberals but i'm not i'm not I, I don't i don't know if it is uh and part of me thinks it's because you know justin trudeau isn't well liked so I don't know, Coleman, you can jump in on there, whether you think this is actually good for the liberals or not, then maybe I can give my, my, I can expand on my thoughts, but I'll, what do you think? It's, I wouldn't say it's good. It's not bad. I'll say that. I mean, like, cause they can kind of, they're in a situation right now where they can kind of just sit this out and kind of see what happens. I think what's benefited the liberals a lot over the last, like since the, since the first election Trudeau won is like there's a group of Canadians that will not vote for a party that has that that social conservative element in it and as long as that's the case I don't think like any like and it's not that the liberals haven't had scandal after scandal like there's plenty of opportunities to get off that ride if you're a liberal voter like I got off after the first election when they didn't do the electoral reform thing but like there's there's been a lot of opportunities to get off that and get on the conservative train, and they just haven't been able to capitalize on any of these scandals at all. So that's what makes me think this is, if they're going to go further that way, like, there's votes to be found that way if you can get them back from the PPC, but is there any math that gets you a government out of that party? That you can run up the, you can run up the count in western provinces more than you already are. Instead mm -hmm. of winning by 30,000, you could win by 45,000 votes. Like, it's it's just kind of the way our, our system's set up right now. It's like there's there's a reason why Har Harper wanted to keep that side quiet because he knew that was the only math to become a government. So, if there are enough, like if this leader, if this this thing leads to more right, like PPC s Canadians coalescing under this banner and. Uh, I can't pronounce the name. I apologize to him. He'll make a video mocking me for it. Um, <laughs> if he if he can form government doing that, that's great for him. It's going to go well. But I, I don't see anything that happens other than him being a particularly vocal leader of the opposition for a few election cycles then being dumped. Honestly, I think that's the... I think there's... I was just going to say, is this good for the liberals? As a betting man, I would bet... You know, on average, probably, yeah, your opponent's going crazy is probably makes you seem better by comparison. Uh, it's definitely bad for Canada. It's not good for the country to have one party kind of trending towards catering to the extreme. That's not good for Canada. And I mean, you got to be careful what you wish for. I mean, if you asked in 2016, is it good that the Republican Party, is it good for Hillary Clinton that the Republicans went crazy and nominated Donald Trump? Everyone said absolutely. And then he won. It was a bit of a disaster. And I, you know, I fear at some point if the liberals just, you know, they've kind of they've already worn out their welcome and they're really riding on the fact that the conservatives can't get on the same page with a sensible alternative. But at some point, their nonsensical alternative might just become, you know, people are frustrated enough that we do have a Pierre Polyev government. And maybe if he were 
for people who don't know, Polyev is a bit of, I would say, a Trumpy figure in terms of, yeah, very loose relationship with the truth, is kind of willing to say anything that, uh, you know, makes Trudeau look bad in the moment, even if it's a complete reversal of what he was saying 20 minutes ago. He's, um, mm-hmm. it just doesn't strike me as a serious principled person at all. And maybe actually being the leader of the second biggest party in the country might force him to sort of act a bit more like a grown-up. But uh, I kind of doubt it because, you know, a bunch of childish kicking and screaming is uh, is real popular these days. It's, uh, there's, there's a real market for that. Well, and the caucus has shown that when you try to act like a sensible leader that's going to lead for moderate, you know, where, where the majority of mainstream Canada is, you get you get kicked out. So, and what, like, yeah, we really I, need I a sensible know. opposition. My, my thought and, on it, you know, we really do. And my thought on it was, I think exactly what you were saying, Scott, is that it's like, the, again, this is not my, this is not my phrase. I got it from some pundit on CBC or somewhere, but it's, uh, you know, in Canada, the conservatives don't win elections. The liberals lose elections. And this is, right where we're at you know justin trudeau was barely able to beat uh andrew Scheer. now his victory is incredible because he did have the blackface scandal and still won <laughs> that that shows you how how bad how much people disliked andrew Scheer. but he didn't really move the needle against aaron o'toole which shows that there is this stalemate right that the people are fed up i think with um the liberals and i wonder if just changing the leader is enough like, is it just get rid of Trudeau, get a new leader in there? I'm, you know, I'm banging the drum for uh, Christia Freeland. I think she would be a, I think she would be a good leader. I think she'd be a good prime minister. Um, but is that enough to, you know, remove the, the distaste that, you know, a lot of us have, you know, centrist voters have for the liberals? And I'm worried that all, all it's going to take is another big gaffe or scandal from from the trudeau government that yeah tips the tips the scales and people say you know screw it um it happened in the u.s like you said and i don't think i don't think there's anything that keeps it from happening in canada you know and this is i i've said this to family members i've said this to people and they're everyone seems to always have this well no we're different that wouldn't happen in Canada. And I think our parliamentary system does protect us a little bit from some of this, but I don't know. I, I, it could happen. Like my thought during the last election was that if Aaron O'Toole were to win, because, you know, a lot of the rhetoric from the left is Aaron O'Toole is basically Hitler, and if the conservatives win, it's the end of the world. And I thought, you know, if they win, it'll be fine. We'll get some policies that are... I wouldn't, you know, that I wouldn't vote for. We'll get less action on climate change than I'd like. But it's not, you know, it would be fine. We would, the country would chug on. Your day-to-day would be the same. I feel far less sanguine about a Pierre Polyev government um, that is much more pandering to the sort of fringy elements. Um, and, and where does it go after that? If he doesn't win, do they go, you know, it seems you get one shot these days. You get one election. If you don't win, you're out. And if he doesn't, do they go to even more fringy candidates? You know, is uh, that crazy Calgary pastor that keeps getting arrested for violating COVID rules, is he the next, you know, federal conservative leader? Maybe. <laughs> Leslyn Lewis is another name that comes up, and she tipped her hand as being quite um, out there, I would say, in terms of her beliefs on she had a minute where she was showed promise and then just absolutely came apart at the seams near the end. Yeah. It just wasn't, well, what again, wasn't happening. Because her thing is a lot of hardcore social conservatism that just isn't popular in this country, which is fine. I think a lot of Canadians fed up with Trudeau would say if you're personally anti-abortion or anti-gay marriage, a lot of people would say, well, you know, I don't agree with you on that. But sure, I can hold my nose and vote for you against these Trudeau people. As long as you're not making that a centerpiece to what you're doing. Once, you know, if it's like, you just, it seems you just say, you know, abortion is a personal choice. I think it's morally wrong, so I wouldn't do it. I would counsel other people not to do it. But it's decided, you know, we're not going back. I think you could easily calm a lot of fears, but it seems, you know, 
there's, I guess, kind of a tension in modern politics often between sort of performative purism um, on a lot of things that certainly in a lot of American politics, the Democrats could learn a lot. Like there's some stuff that in your little college circle seems like a good idea. It's not popular and it's going to make you lose elections. So you should just shut up about it. And um, the conservatives could probably learn the same lesson in Canada about a bunch of these uh, social issues, but it's the same sort of problem that you can't, you can't win the leadership if you don't cater to the crazies. Um, but then the classic wisdom is you have to tack to the center for kind of the general populace. But now if the party's going to crucify you for that, then how, you know, I, I can't see how you can build a broad coalition that's going to actually get you majority support. You're right. You're going to run up even bigger margins in rural Alberta and win with 70% of the vote instead of 65. But in a parliamentary democracy, that doesn't, doesn't do you any good when you've driven away all the people in suburban Toronto and Vancouver. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the, uh, the vote efficiency of the Liberals in the last election was like basically exactly what they needed. They got exactly what they needed to maintain the minor minority government. But it's like they can't, they can't afford to lose any votes. You know, they're they're basically at the wall right now where it's if, if you go by the last election, it's like they can't lose any. So there is there is votes to be peeled off, I think, there uh, or they have to be worried about, you know, losing any other votes. So I think it's not the cakewalk um, that it might seem for them at the at the moment. And I really I, I do think it's time that um, they do a shake up, you know, of the leadership of the top of the top people get some new people in there because uh if you look at the next election is going to be what 2023 they will have justin trudeau will have been in been prime minister for what 10 years at that point 20 something like that it was yeah. 2015 when so, uh they won because i remember okay so it'll be eight randos in eight cambodia years? were asking i don't about, do like, math uh, i was on my honeymoon that's why i remember and Cambodian randos were like, hey, you guys just elected that handsome guy. I was like, yeah, I'm glad this is our brand now. We're a country of the yeah. handsome. Seems unoffensive and handsome. We were wrong about the unoffensive yeah. part, but uh, but still still got that great hair. Great, great at apologies, though. Man apologizes yeah. like no other. Yeah. In Canadian history, no one's apologized as well as Justin Trudeau. It's true. It is true. He is. He's gotten that down. Um, all right. Yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll wrap it up and leave it there. I don't know if you guys have any other uh, final thoughts. I have to issue an, a, a correction from my question at the beginning. First cut is the deepest. Rod Stewart, mm. not Brian Adams. Oh, so you're going to run a foul of the CanCon loss. My apologies. Here, Quick, make yep, a hip reference or something. To Rod. Get us uh, back in the good graces of our Canadian overlords who uh, I don't yeah. believe we have the freedom. <laughs> you know, Freedom would be talking about whatever artists we want on podcasts, but since Canada is uh, an authoritarian wasteland, we will only talk about approved government subjects. Correct. Well, um, well, there's a lot of things we didn't touch on that I think that this this topic could spiral into. Uh, you know, the social media stuff like you you've been been hammering on Coleman, and you know the recent stuff with Spotify and all the COVID misinformation and lots of interesting things. If we wanted to talk about actual authoritarian countries, we could look no further than uh, the Olympic Games right now and uh, China. Uh, but maybe let's see how the Olympics play out. And if there's uh, there's already been one journalist dragged away on on screen. Did you see that? No, no. but uh, I'm interested. Dutch guy, Dutch journalist. He's doing his, you know, report from the street uh, of Beijing, you know, talking to the camera. And then all of a sudden, a bunch of goons with uh, red armbands just drag him off camera. <laughs> so apparently he's okay. We don't really know what he did to, to run afoul of the authorities, but it doesn't take much. So did he let's wait to see how the... Did he release a statement later saying, I am fine. I was yeah. dragged away and immediately yeah, reports that I was, I was dragged away are totally yeah, yeah, yeah. overblown. And in fact, I'm getting treated very well. <laughs> yeah. My legs stopped working and they were helping me. <laughs> All right, fellas, let's wait to see how the Olympics play out. And then we'll and then we'll we'll dig Another in. Another thing China I want to watch time. is does Putin invade Ukraine like 48 hours after the closing ceremonies of the Olympics because he can't do it during the Olympics but you also can't do it in the summer because it's too boggy and hot so uh, I think the the, the window of like yeah, a couple he's... weeks after the Olympics is 
if they're going to do it, that's going to be the spot. So that'll be, I think, something to watch for. That is bad. It's all bad. I would say I don't have a lot of uh, sunshine and roses about what's going on in Canada or North America or the world. It's uh, honestly an asteroid coming might be welcome news. It might be uh, it might be for the best. It's uh, it's not the Russian army. It's a Russian freedom convoy heading to Kiev to. It's spread a freedom, freedom rock coming to uh, bring freedom from exactly. Trudeau. <laughs> freedom from the sky. All right, lovely gentlemen. We'll leave it there. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> Thanks for this. Yes, still anti-soup. Plug my Instagram account. Goodbye. <laughs> At Lionel Steel. At Lionel Steel. Once again, my big thanks to my good friends Scott and Coleman for joining me to, yeah, like Coleman said, just agree with with each other and gain a little attention by podcasting. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. As always, like I said, I would love to hear your thoughts, whether you agree or disagree with anything that you heard. So please go to twobreadforyou.wordpress.com to leave us a message, leave us a voicemail, leave us an email. It's all there, twobreadforyou.wordpress.com. You can sign up to get all of the episodes subscribed. Never miss an episode. And uh, leave us a rating or a review, all that good stuff. It always helps. Again, again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now.